our wrap of the top business stories and I'm in conversation with Nolwandle Mtombeni from Mergence Investment Managers and we're taking a look at the big stories in the marketplace uh, on this uh, Wednesday and Nolwandle, the other story that I found quite interesting was uh, some of the port uh, delays and the challenges in uh, the uh, port uh, in Cape Town uh, certainly uh, um, I guess having a knock on some of our agricultural exports and uh, uh, many fearing that they might uh, lose some of the contracts that they have in many of the de- destination markets. What's happening here? So obviously, you know, during you know when the lockdown was announced, um, you know, one of the main things that were you know conditions that were put in the, the rules and regulations that there was no exporting, and our ports were all closed. You know, so I think you know maybe one or two, and those were also specific to maybe importing, and there were some regulations around allowing imports for food-related items. But you know, in terms of the export market, we were disadvantaged in that we couldn't really provide the the supply, as well as even you know in terms of employment, we couldn't have the capacity to to, to operate at optimal capacity to have people there to provide the supply that the world wanted. So even as we've gone through the subsequent um, lockdown stages and have opened up more of the economy, um, we still you know beyond optimal capacity from just a stocking point of view and a production point of view. And on top of that, our ports actually also aren't yet efficient enough and running efficiently as it should. So you have multiple things coming through and we're seeing that, you know, when we should be trying to get as many exports as possible out, um, there's various obstacles are being faced. And this is withstanding the fact that, you know, Cape Town, you know, one of the ports had had like a, you know, horrible weather for the last three weeks, mm, which mm. within itself has, you know, made it a perfect storm, if I can put it that way. For the export market, so you've had multiple challenges where you know our export market, even from import perspective, because mm. some of the you know the the, the, the ships can't dock, um, and that's ultimately what's so, happened. So, so, Nolwandle, I mean, just I guess the other question now, because we do know there was some lifting of restrictions at the start of the month of May, um, and we hear now that the uh, you know the terminal is is operating or the container terminals at sixty percent and the multi purpose terminal at uh, just sort of three quarters of capacity there according to transit have they explained why uh, that uh, why this terminal is not operating at full capacity or does it have to do maybe uh, with some of the infections of workers uh, that ordinarily would have been manning the port yeah so one of the reasons cited is the fact that you know workers haven't been there because there have been few people who've been found infected with covid so and that's the reason. Um, you know, I know from for, for my side, it, you know, being in Cape Town, um, there, mm. there's been no gas, you know, for heat and stuff because, you know, you know, ships couldn't dock and the factories were closed down because of COVID infections. So and everyone in Cape Town has one, a gas heat. One employee guess, yeah. to get infected for the whole operation to be shut down. Um, mm. So, and it has impacted the ports and it's cited as one of the reasons why um, there's been some delays and not being able to, you know, run the ports um, at full capacity because of COVID-related infections there. Mm. And I guess in the context of, of of Cape Town and the gas example you're making, I guess everybody has a gas heater in Cape Town. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, you know, it's been four weeks now um, where we can't even get gas um, in Cape Town <laughs> because, you know, it was, it was shut down due to COVID. Let's shift our attention now away from the ports to the private schooling sector. What's happening at Kuro? Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is uh, it's quite an interesting one. So obviously we're aware that you know you know you know and as of March you know schools were closed and then learners were effectively going home and as a result you know what will happen is that many parents you know thought why should I be paying for school fees if my children are at home um, you know the reality of the situation is that when the lockdown was announced 
I doubt any of the schools were prepared for the fact that they'd have to go to online learning to switch to that. Um, I think they went to the resources weren't there, the you know the formal schooling or you know the the, the teachers weren't trained to it, trained for it, the learners weren't aware of it. So you know naturally there would have not been any learning going on in April, and as a result, um, you know there was no you know learning going on, and many parents were you know not willing to pay school fees because my child's not getting the service, why should I pay? So, you know, what happened was curious that it was in April, there was, you know, 20% down in terms of um, the collections from parents because parents were simply not going to pay. Um, as it happened now, you know, May, April and May were better because obviously you can see that they started to actually introduce online learning through online classes. And this is not unique secure. It's actually with every private school that, you know, I've spoken to that had a similar experience where, you know, the, April was a, was a bad month, but May and June was an improvement as, you know, teachers and learners adjusted to online learning. Mm. Um, and one interesting thing is that obviously the ECD part, which is the preschool and the creche, you know, those learners were the most impacted because, you know, as a two-year-old, you can't you can't online teach them, you can't teach them online. Yeah, so yeah. they 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 and they actually plan on exiting that that section altogether. Sure. And then, I mean, they also provided some relief, I guess, to, to some parents here, um, specifically related with the COVID-19 uh, crisis in the form of reduced fees and other financial support initiatives. They've costed this at around 70 million rand. Um, and I guess I'm quite interested in sort of what this has meant uh, in being able to, to retain uh, some of the students that would have left in the absence of this. And more importantly, I guess what it means for uh, the investment holdings company, a PSG group uh, owned by the Mouton family. So, you know, Kira, even before COVID-19 hit, they were already facing affordability issues. So Kira, I mean, they, they you know, so, you know, school inflation is somewhere around the mid, the average across the, all their schools, about 9%. So mm. affordability has really become a problem amongst their teachers. And as a result, you know, they had a lot of teachers unable to pay and bad debts come up. And then Kira comes and obviously, obviously people, you know, coming under more financial pressure. So obviously, you know, what they have to do is provide some sort of financial relief to some parents. Um, 70 million is, is the biggest scheme. It's not a huge amount compared to, you know, the total of the actual revenue, um, but they had to do it. And I think, you know, bad debts were really bad last year in terms of their financial reporting. It's probably going to continue to be under pressure. And as far as, you know, for PSG it is, um, you know, they have to now support them in a rights issue because now Kira did announce, mm. um, I think maybe a week or two ago, that they need a rights issue. And because um, PSG holds the majority of it, um, they're going to have to fork out, you know, um, as much as half of, the, of that. And this, and it's this also underwriting it, which means that they could basically, you know, go anywhere from 50 to 100 percent, depending on where the take-up is. So the impact on PSG is that now that Kira needs, you know, um, a right issue to help them fund because they're not getting, you know, maybe the, the budgeted inflow, they have to support them with the right issue. Mm. Certainly a tough environment here. Before we let you go, Nolwandle, uh, there's... Uh, I guess uh, another story, and uh, it seems whenever people find themselves in some form of uh, financial challenge, uh, or you have a situation uh, where people are losing jobs in mass, uh, people are taking severance packages and the like, uh, you often have, um, I guess, scams, Ponzi schemes, pyramid schemes like this are coming up. And one of these is the WhatsApp Stockfell. Now, it seems it's back in vogue. And a uh, story ran earlier on today by Business Insider suggesting that it's back and uh, you're probably being scammed. Uh, for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with what we're talking about, maybe in all likely we can start there. Uh, and maybe you can answer why at this point during the COVID-19 crisis do we find ourselves uh, seeing a resurgence of what I thought was discredited a few months ago. 
So basically what this WhatsApp stock file is, and now what it's called WhatsApp gifting, is where, you know, you'll be part of a group and where you, you know, put in money and then are expected to make returns on it. So How generous, how generous. And then they'll promise you the moon in the sky and, you know, ultimately amount to nothing because they're scamming you. And, you know, it, it happened a few months or years ago. It's been happening for, you know, quite a while now. And but now it's here a resurgence of it. And, you know, the real reason behind it is that, you know, um, the most vulnerable are easy prey for predators. And that's simply how it is, you know. It's just how it is, just regardless of, you know, what form the vulnerable person is. It's just that they made much easier for predators. So in this kind of economic environment, where millions of people in our country are faced with, you know, financial hardship, you know, any quick win is something. Um, mm. If you... You know, paying 200 grand over and you can make, you know, 50 grand more. You can imagine if someone's saying, give me 200, I can give you back to 50, you know. Even that extra 50 means something. It shows you just how vulnerable the person is and they really want to get whatever quick buck they can make. So, and, so you know, I'm always confused by the mechanics of this, uh, Nolwans. I mean, so how does it work? Do I do I go on WhatsApp and I say, I'm going to gift Nolwans uh, some money and then Nolwans is probably going to get gifted by somebody else and pass the money back to me? The mechanics of it, how does it work? So if I knew for a fact, then I would be, would be we'd have a problem if I knew how it works, but <laughs> <laughs> we'd have a problem, right? <laughs> so from my understanding, you know, you probably just, you know, send maybe like a e-wallet someone to something. Um, you just need a number to send an e-wallet. And that's where the role of, you know, fintech has came in and financial and making a mobile money is where it's easier sending money. So I'm not sure exactly the different forms of how the money is transferred, um, but I do know of where someone can just e the money is the easiest thing and you send it, there's a number can send through mm-hmm. um, within the group circulator and then you can send money through there. And then, you know, it becomes like a permit scheme where everyone sends through something. Um, it is, it's a permit scheme, but you know, basically, and then, you know, and then mm. people send you their money and then they expect the returns which never ended up coming and the person will probably yeah. just leave the group and then you know you left there in the group and there's you know no money and the, the person who found the group and then really left mm. we'll have to leave it there it uh, certainly is one we're going to have to watch quite closely but uh, I guess as is in any um, time of crisis, uh, economic history teaches us this. Uh, that's when you find uh, scams and Ponzi schemes of this kind. I mean, think about the history of Bernie, uh, Bernie Madoff, ne? I think that's the name yeah, of the guy. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, all of it is always around some form of crisis or even during times of re- recession and uh, contraction in economic activity. And uh, I guess uh, the only thing we can say, be on the lookout, be vigilant uh, for some of these uh, things. And I just thank you very much for your time. Always a pleasure.